This is Gospel on the Ground, a podcast from Trinity Bible Church in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a collection of testimonies of Trinity members for Trinity members. Today's guest is Stephanie Franklin. So, Stephanie Franklin, thank you so much for your time uh, this afternoon. Thanks for coming in to, to chat. Good. Glad to be here. Uh, so this, you know, the idea here, I'm just trying to get people's stories. I want people's, uh, stories and testimonies to be out there. I find them encouraging. So let's just start with, um, did you grow up in a Christian home? How did you become a Christian? Tell us about Stephanie. (laughs) I am really happy. I love talking about the home that I grew up in. My parents were just really sweet and wholesome. We, we did grow up in a Christian home, me and my three siblings. Um, we were really involved in church growing up. So I heard the gospel from a really young age. I went to a local church here in the Valley, actually the one that planted this church. I grew up there and, um, there was just a, a big emphasis on, on good teaching. Um, and that, that ultimately is where I came to know the Lord. But, um, yeah, my, my parents were really diligent, especially my dad to teach us, to teach us the scriptures. There was all kinds of music in the house growing up. We're a family of singers, um, usually of the the dorkiest stripe, um, singing all the stuff, but yeah, so there was just a, a big emphasis in my home on memorizing scripture, uh, reading scripture together. And so my parents were, were really faithful in that and kind of just lived a normal a normal Christian life, like attending church faithfully. My my story of actually coming to know Christ was, um, I would say anyone who, who knows me well knows that at my core, one of my sort of besetting sins is, is just, is fear. <laughs> Growing up, I was terribly afraid of the dark, afraid mm. of monsters, uh, Sleeping Beauty still remains, now that I'm 38, is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Sure. <laughs> um, and uh, I would I would have nightmares. I would I think like see scary things as a child. And um, my my parents were always very faithful to talk about how much bigger and more powerful God was than anything that I was afraid of. And um, I I remember praying a prayer as a child, and then probably fifteen times after that as I grew up. Um, I, so my, my parents would say they have a, a memory of me praying the prayer for the first time coming and sort of giving my life to the Lord, they would say when I was four. Um, I, I really continued to struggle though, like did not really have friends, was the quietest, most awkward wallflower you could ever imagine. Could not be, not just could not be up in front of people, but really couldn't, couldn't meet a new person without just like cowering in fear, getting super nervous. Um, couldn't give a presentation in class, just like debilitating fear and anxiety. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't anything that my parents did. It sure. wasn't, you know, it's kind of again, a temperament. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I relate to it. Yeah. Just please don't look at me or touch me or talk to me. And, right. you know, just I'll stay over alone. here in the corner. Exactly. <laughs> Is that so much to ask? <laughs> um, and, and all of those, that fear sort of, became like an identifying marker in myself. And uh, eventually uh, when I was 13 and it was uh, right between eighth grade and freshman year of high school, we went to a summer camp and I had heard the gospel 
you know, who knows how many times and heard all about the Lord, heard so much Bible teaching, but there was something about that trip that I understood for the first time. Oh, this, this thing is real and, and the Lord is real and what he has done for me actually demands something of my life. Mm -hmm. And I actually like, this is a reality that I have to conform to. It's not just about whether or not it serves me and makes me less afraid or have more friends or be more popular and all the things you care about so much when you're 13 or 38. (laughs) Um, But there, there was something significant that happened there because one of the things that happened after that was a pretty drastic personality change. Hmm. Um, got got really involved. I always grew up singing and stuff in church, but got actually confident enough to sing by myself in front of people. Hmm. Um, I made a lot of friends, uh, actually took an interest in other people, found out things that I was good at, um, was generally just excited to participate hmm. in like group things with other people and student council and music stuff and all kinds of other stuff that I would say were sort of related to leadership type things, which is like my mom still says she can't believe that I'm that same little girl who would hide behind her and cry every time she met someone new. Right. So I, I would say that it was around that 13, 14 age when I really came to know the Lord. What church did you belong to? How long were you there? How did you end up at Trinity? Feel free to share anything in between then and now. Okay. Um, I've, I've gone to, I would say, mostly non-denominational Bible churches. So I grew up at Bethany Bible mm-hmm. here in the Valley and was there from the time I was born until I moved away at 18. Mm-hmm. And it was there, I, I mean, I... I would not say that there that I was like taught specific things about, oh, this is how church should be. um, And this is how the body should act. And this is how we're governed. And like, I just knew there were elders and my dad was one Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that women were not elders. (laughs) And uh, it was just something that I had talked about with college friends because I, I went to school first at Calvin college in Michigan. And I had many female professors who were also ministers Mm -hmm. And uh, it was there, I would say that I became pretty liberal. <laughs> I'm definitely a Christian, like I, I definitely understood. And so there were, there were things that chafed against, against me in, in my heart because I really did have a high uh, value on scripture mm-hmm. and understood some things to be very clear, but did not know how to reconcile that with having other female Christians in my life who were wonderful women who were also doing something in, in preaching or leading in their churches, men and women that I, I just did not under understand mm-hmm. how to reconcile those things. Um, and while I was there so that uh, Calvin is a Christian reformed school. And so very high liturgy. Um, we sang uh, from their, their particular hymn book, which has a high emphasis on the Psalter and, I'm um, just following the liturgical calendar through the year. And that was all um, very interesting. I really appreciated sort of the the tie to church history mm-hmm. and really got to understand like, what is Advent? I didn't know. Right. <laughs> um, you know, why do you hang different colored fabric all around the church different times of year? And what is all of this imagery and sort of these icons and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that and found a lot of encouragement from seeing the arts show up in church. And that was really interesting, but the teaching um, wasn't necessarily grounded in scripture. And so 
that was actually a time in my life being around lots of Christians and a lot of sort of the trappings that come around being in a higher liturgy church without growing in the word mm. at all. Um, and so actually during, during that time, I met my first husband mm-hmm. and, um, and we, we got married and ended up moving to Dallas because he had family there. And we started going to a church there called Watermark mm-hmm. Community Church. And it was a mega church, like by mega, I mean like 15,000 people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so mega, the kind where you, you don't know your pastor or your elders or, or anything like that, but that the teaching was very grounded in scripture. Mm. And so while I would say maybe church governance or polity wise, you know, they had four elders for Wow. Yeah, for, for fifteen thousand people, but they had, you know, it probably over a hundred staff pastors and then on top of that directors and coordinators and like all kinds of stuff that were probably filling those gaps. Sure. Um and then they had community groups mm-hmm. and the community group was really where you were able to live out the idea of church as a family. And I would say that that's at that church um, is where I would say I got theologically much more healthy because mm-hmm. I was actually being taught the scriptures. Right. Um, and it was there that I, I think that that chafing in my heart um, of what is the place of of scripture and this, this stuff I'm experiencing with men and women in the church in terms of leadership and teaching and using gifts and all of that stuff. How does that actually play out where I, I really was confronted with, uh, am I going to believe what scripture says when it, when it comes to women's place in the church and just how men and women are meant to relate and, uh, the, the authority, the good and right authority that is set aside for qualified men to teach in the church. And um, that that was a, a really big moment for me to understand um, submitting myself to scripture and being able to say like, while I, I respect and love uh, people in other denominations, I, I would disagree. Anyway, all that to say, okay, so how did I get to Trinity then? <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're in Dallas. I'm in Dallas at Watermark. Yeah, at Watermark. Um, so my first husband and I had been married for four four years. We had been dating for three, and we were married for four. And he had a, a crisis of everything. It wasn't just a crisis of faith. It was a crisis of, I think, everything that you can sort of have a crisis over. Um, so he ended up, the short version is he ended up having an affair with a girl at work and our our marriage was just not not in a good place, but it was still surprising to me to hear that he was that far gone. Like not, I really wanted to, to stay together, to go to counseling, to sort of be, uh, Watermark was really uh, big into recovery ministries. So mm-hmm. grief share, divorce care, um, uh, celebrate recovery or they, they called it regeneration where it's you, you, you lock arms with other Christians and you do the work of fighting sin together and, and you are restored in relationships and you are restored to the Lord. And they were, they, they really had a good handle on those ministries. And I, I so badly wanted to be one of those stories mm. that, that we were able to reconcile. And that was just you know, if both parties don't want to reconcile, then it doesn't happen. So, um, so he, he ended up, uh, leaving with, 
like he he left our church he left me for the girl that he was with from work and left the city and kind of left everything and I was I was sort of there I was 27 at the time mm. um but felt like I could have been 87 mm. you know like my my life is over mm. and uh you know who's who's going to want who's going to want someone with with that kind of baggage mm. and you know, someone who, who messed up that much the first time, like why, why would someone want, uh, want to enter into that kind of, I don't know, just, just to that kind of story. Yeah. But, but God blessed the broken road that brought you straight, <laughs> straight to Jake. <laughs> straight to Jake. Uh, I wouldn't say it was straight to Jake. Yeah. Tell us um, that story. Well, so my my community group at the time was really wonderful and they I didn't have any family like any biological family in Dallas and so my church really especially my community group they were my family and they they encouraged me to to dig more into church that's when I first started going to women's bible study and I met women who were like serious mm. about their faith and serious about studying the bible and I met I mean it's it's a church right in the heart of Dallas and it was like 10 minutes away from Dallas Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. So there were several girls who had graduated with their THM mm. teaching Romans to women in the church. And I was just like, my face was just blown off. And I had really started to love to study and found out that I just sort of had a, it, it was just one of those things that doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. Um, and and felt like it just sort of fit and i liked talking with the women there and talking about it and everything but i had planned then to go to seminary mm-hmm. afterward because i was just like this this feels like it's something that could be in my future in some way and i had never really thought about teaching the bible yeah. um at all and it was a little bit of a, a new thing to consider but i had a short list of seminaries that i would consider i hadn't finished undergrad yet i had a long sojourn through undergrad undergrad because i just didn't know what I wanted to do. And, um, so I, I had a plan that the, w- the way it worked out was to go to Phoenix seminary, um, to, to sort of move back to where everything started and be closer to my family, go to yeah. Phoenix seminary, all that stuff. And right in the middle of when I am finishing undergrad, you know, and months away from moving to Phoenix, I meet Jake at a Christmas party mm-hmm. and, um, the way I like to tell it is that when we, when we met and we're just standing there talking for a while, there were like explosions in space because of that conversation. Like it just, everything just sort of matched up all of the books we like to read. Mm. Um, even down to just like the fantasy genre and, uh, love for Tolkien and love for stories and love for love for the church. And he was, it was striking to meet a young man who loved the church and, was serving on campus and was involved in a home group at his church. He went to the village church. Oh yeah. Um, so Dallas is a mega church central. There's yeah. lots of small churches, but, um, but some healthy big ones too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he was just serving faithfully in all of the areas that he, he was involved in and he was really smart and, and just fun to talk to. And so we just had something to consider you know, we're, we're dating for a few months here and I have plans to move and was not going to change the plans. <laughs> um, so he, the, we ended up 
both moving to Phoenix and got married after, you know, nine months of meeting each other. Mm. And, you know, which is not something I'd necessarily recommend unless you're very sure and can meet everybody, the can meet that person's entire community and sort of have approval from everybody and, yeah. and lots of support and so all that to say. You were able to have some awareness of who Jake was just by virtue of his faith family, if you will. Yes. Yeah. So you have some references. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's, that's extremely important. We found out Jake likes to say that the most important things you can tell about a person uh, you can see from far away. Mm. Um, you can see the respect that their family has for them. You can see how they, how they keep their commitments. Uh, the, the, it was very important to me that he have primarily close guy friends and that, I mean, you know, he's close with his sister, but I saw some really healthy relationships with females in terms of boundaries. And I wouldn't say they were characterized only by the boundaries, but they were like, his girlfriends are good women. And I'm not worried about like, you know, are you just too close with women? Because sure. yeah, that, that was, you know, obviously a question that I had coming out of the first marriage. Right. Um, and, and seeing, you know, that he had come out of his parents' house and gone to college and was um, a faithful uh, member of, of a church, yeah. of, a, of a healthy church and growing. And so that was just really encouraging. Yeah, it's a good, important thing for young men and women to hear, to know. Um, especially young singles to be at a place, be known, be there for a long time so that people could say, yeah, I know him and I can vouch for him. Mm -hmm. Being able to have that sort of uh, credibility with people is super important and rare, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It was, it was just encouraging to meet him and to know him during that time in all kinds of ways. College is just a weird time <laughs> uh, in terms of being in a, a city where maybe you're not, you're, maybe you're not going to stay there, or at least you don't know. Um, and so it's just really tempting to be characterized by a lack of commitment. And I'm just going to try to get through school. And that's my main commitment. Um, so yeah, it was encouraging to see that, that his ministry commitments were, and, and relational commitments even with friends were very important to him. Yeah. So Jake followed me to Phoenix. <laughs> And uh, I, I had an internship at Bethany Bible and that, so I had an internship at Bethany and was also, you know, started my first semester of seminary mm -hmm. um, while planning a wedding out of state. We actually got married in Austin. Um, and uh, I wouldn't recommend that for anyone who <laughs> <laughs> thinks that they should put that many things on their plate at once. But so we, we actually found our way to Trinity um, I suppose I could have just answered this from the beginning, but my, sis my sister and brother-in-law have attended here for, for several years. And uh, I saw some really neat things happen in their marriage while we were at Bethany. And so we, we had, I think at the time, some theological and even um, ecclesiological disagreements with the church that we were at. So we, we made our way over to Trinity because we were encouraged by, by what we saw here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was in 2014 that we came here. 2014. Mm -hmm. And since you've been here, you've you've gone through the internship. I went through it with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of the times I went through it. <laughs> went through that, finished seminary, and have uh, been serving as a deacon of women's Bible studies now for how many years? As deacon, three years, Okay, I think. And teaching for time before that, too. Yes. 
yeah, teaching ever since I came here. Yeah. So. And having most recently actually come on staff mm-hmm. part-time, which I'm very excited about, grateful for. Oh. Um, what's the Lord been teaching you in the last few years about himself, about ministry? Uh, what would you just like to be able to share with folks? Hmm. There are a good many things, um, probably because I get to hang out with women a lot who are all learning really big, hard, wonderful, beautiful things right now. Um, I would say that something that I have enjoyed this this summer in particular, just over the last few months, is um, trying is just an attempt to hear God's voice louder and more clearly. I think my my attempts with trying to to grow more in Christ have previously looked like I need to read my Bible more or I need to spend more time with godly friends and actually be talking about him more or the work that he's doing in our lives and just adding more and more in sort of the God column. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have found that with, just due to the fact that there's so much noise that comes with being a mom of young kids, and even just uh, being on staff at a church or with teaching the Bible or just the crazy amount of information we are expected to take just as people who exist in 2022, that I have been challenged to turn the noise down on many other sources of information and noise in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has that has revealed as I have sort of like really, really stepped back from social media. Um, I'm just reading a lot less news that, that not only is it just sort of nice for mental health (laughs) and, and like brain clutter (laughs) that I'm, you know, not sitting here considering a bunch of useless information all day or filtering through what should I be outraged about that, you know, I actually can't do anything about right now. Um, it has actually, uh, really distilled the the voice of the Lord in in the times that I am actually in his word mm. or things that friends have shared uh they they just they can take up more real estate in my head because there's less there mm. right now which I think even a couple years ago I would have said it feels irresponsible to be taking in less information because then how am I going to be able to teach well if I'm not teaching relevantly Mm -hmm. or, or how am I going to be able to, you know, keep up in conversation with people if I'm not reading this material or I'm not up to speed on this, this news. Yeah. It's really hard to keep relevant when the news cycle is like 20 minutes long. Yes. Relevance is, is an impossible dream to chase after. Yeah. It's overrated for sure. So, Another thing I would say that that the Lord has been teaching. So yeah, just just turning down the volume mm-hmm. on on other sources of information or just uh, irritating <laughs> irritating stuff or stuff that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. um, or even stuff that matters but stuff that needs to be prioritized less. Sure. Um, and another thing is uh, this this summer I got to get get together with a group of gals from the church and we studied. Um, or we read through a book um, by Abigail Dodds called Bread of Life. And one of the points that she made in the book was um, that, you know, she, she was 
at this part of the book reflecting on the fact that she remembers being a mom of little children, which obviously resonates with me a lot right now. Mm-hmm. And that there's times as a mom with many little people with lots and lots of problems and demands in the home that you for, you can forget to eat mm. as a mom. Just a very simple thing. Or like there's the often joked about reality for moms that, you know, you reheat your coffee four times and you still don't get through, don't get through it by the end of the day. But the beauty of God's word is that even in, in times like that, um, we can't not just as young moms, but as Christians, we cannot starve ourselves Mm. of God's word and that God's word really is so nourishing and rich that you can still even, even if it's not ideal, you can still survive on crumbs. Sure. Um, so part, I would say that's coupled with turning down noise on other things in my life. And instead of listening to a podcast or instead of listening to a recorded book or something like that, that, or instead of listening to music, even that I'm listening to the word mm-hmm. and also choosing to listen to silence. Do you have specific apps that you use to listen to the word, like the ESV app or Dwell or? I have just been using the U version one. Okay, yeah. Um, because it's it's sort of most basic. I also find that when I listen to any voice that I'm not used to, I listen more to the voice. I'm okay. analyzing the voice and trying to think about who they are. It's <laughs> it's a, a weird thing that's happened to me. I don't know why why I do that, but yeah, just the standard U version guy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The, um. And of course, there's ESV, Bible app, Max McLean, I think, mm-hmm. reads through it. Uh, and then there's Dwell, which is an app, an audio app, mm-hmm. where you can listen to different voices from different areas, different um, different translations, different music you can put behind it and stuff. And they have different listening plans. So I found that one to be a pretty helpful app, too, just mm-hmm. in, in listening. So one of the things that's sort of a, a recurring theme in people's testimonies is there are moments of crises uh, in which things can seem bleak and hopeless and uh, sort of in, in, in any given moment in someone's life, you might be able to look at it and say, man, I don't, I don't know how, how this is going to go um, in, in the given moment. The way things look uh, might look hopeless. So if you now knowing uh, what you know, uh, what the Lord had in store for you now, um, if you had to go back in time, what, what would you want that Stephanie to know in a sort of moment of, of crisis. I think I would tell her that the instinct to lean heavy on brothers and sisters in Christ is a good one. Mm. Like follow that as far as you can because friends in the church really did come through. Mm. And by come through, I mean, they, they made themselves available in a way that even now is very convicting to me. When I think of friends now that I have that have gone through tough seasons in their marriages or have had difficulties with, with children or have struggled with, with illness mm-hmm. or things like that, um, the amount of time just spent in hours <laughs> that I spent at friends' houses late at night mm. when they had work the next morning or when they had classes the next morning um, and that they they 
not just did they not kick me out, but that they they sat there and and cried with me. Um, they they studied the scriptures with me when I was like questioning is remarriage a thing that's even an option for me mm-hmm. um they they are ones who encouraged me towards seminary mm. um they there was just an availability and a a devotion to me that really just didn't I had never seen anything like it mm. so i I would say for sure lean heavy on the church um and I think I, I would also just try to remind myself or anyone going through a situation like that, that um, even if someone has sinned egregiously against you, um, you are responsible for 100% of your sin and your brokenness. And no amount of anybody else's sin against you can or should negate the deep spiritual work that must happen in your heart, not for the sake of a marriage that you can't save, you know, because for me, I, obviously that was, that was not something that I could do, but, um, the, the, the closeness with Christ that I, that I experienced in, even in like a, I, I feel this palpably kind of way. Mm. Um, uh, and and the way that that burns up sin, mm. um, that that is something that I think even though it feels painful has uh, reaped many benefits in my life. And I think there were times going through that very very like extra painful season that it sort of felt like well the the pain of being you know cheated on and left like that needs to be the worst pain. Uh, I don't want to go through this mm. like deep soul work right now. Like that doesn't feel good. Right. Um, and then, you know, there are other people who are telling me that I need to just do what I want to do. I like with my time, I should go out and I should meet people or I should start dating again, or I should go on a trip somewhere mm. or get a bunch of tattoos. And I did, but not, <laughs> it wasn't a bunch and it wasn't until a couple years later. Yeah. Um, but just rather than doing that, I, the church kind of kept me grounded um, and helped me dig in and really make a, the most out of that time and be able to be sensitive to the spirit. Um, I think one last thing is that uh, a remarriage will not fix this. Mm. It will not, uh, a better marriage will not redeem a broken marriage. Mm. Like a a deep love for Christ is what, is what redeems this. Like mm. Christ did the work to bring me to him. And uh, since it was not a surprise to him, since it was ordained by him, that that's something that, that I can actually draw encouragement from because my, my maker is my husband. Mm. Um, and, and that's, you know, there, there's a ceiling to mine and Jake's relationship. It is not an eternal relationship. And, as much as I am blessed by my marriage to him, um, that is not ultimately where I draw strength from mm. at the end of the day. So I think that's what I would say. Yeah, it's a good word. Well, Stephanie, thanks so much for your time. It's been a, a real encouragement because uh, I, I've known you since 2014, since you came, and I've got to serve alongside you and, and grow and be equipped 
by Trinity and the equipping ministry here, and now to be able to sort of turn around and uh, reinvest in this institution that's invested in us together is kind of a cool thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, super grateful for you, for your family, and for the giftings that God has given to you, and for your willingness to, to pour them out for the good of others. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you.